0: This is Ed Talk, the podcast for entrepreneurial educators by entrepreneurial educators. We are your hosts, Toy Hirschman and Amber Ravenscroft. This podcast is created by the National Consortium for Entrepreneurship Education, or EntreEd for short. Welcome to today's episode of Ed Talk. I am so excited to be here with Dr. LaDotta Taylor. She is the founder, president, and CEO of Elevation LLC and my company, The Adventure Group. Beginning as a high school math teacher, Dr. Taylor has built a career through her passion to teach and lead others. An entrepreneur at heart, she founded The Adventure Group, an education consulting firm, in 2001. With her leadership and educational background, The Adventure Group has implemented over 5,000 workshops for educators and impacted over 20,000 students. Today, they are leaders in school culture, tech integration, and youth programming, and they've managed over $20 million in federal, state, and private funding. Welcome, LaDotta.
1: Hello. Nice to
0: see you. I know. We're acting like we don't know each other. <laughs> For all our listeners, we know each other. <laughs> so I'm just super excited to have you on the podcast. I, I mean, I've been wanting to have you on since the very beginning when we started, and we're we're getting our wheels in motion here, and we're getting used to it. But... I've been fascinated by your story, and I know it's such a powerful story. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit, and we'll go through the whole thing, but if you could talk about like growing up, what did you see yourself being in the future, and how did that become where you are today?
1: Well, as you know, I love to tell this story, and it has been a a great, great uh, ride for me. I I grew up in rural West Virginia. Um, My dad was a truck driver and my mom stayed home and I'm the oldest of three children. And I always, from as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a teacher. I remember getting a chalkboard for Christmas one year and lining my brother and sister up in our basement and writing on that chalkboard. And I just thought that was the greatest thing in the world. So Throughout elementary, middle school, I wanted to be a teacher. I got to high school, and I really loved math. Um, I wasn't the A-plus math student, and I'm okay to say that. Uh, I worked hard, and and I did well in math, but I wasn't the A-plus person. So um, I decided my senior year of high school that I really had taken most of the classes that I needed to take, and I was ready to graduate. And so I started my journey in mathematics education and drove uh, 30 minutes each way to West Virginia University and started my math courses. And that, that was great, but I continuously thought I wanted to be a teacher. And then as I fell in love with math, I knew that I wanted to be a math teacher that students could understand.
0: So it's so interesting. I was in, I think, second grade when I had a teacher, we talk about this sometimes, is like stereotype threat and imposter syndrome and all these things that are related to like women in different STEM fields, math being one of them. And I remember explicitly a second grade teacher that was like, you are so good at English you should focus on that because math isn't your strong student. So interesting to hear you talk about your passion for math, even though you might not have been it, like you had to work for it because I think that's so rare. And that's something that like a lot of teachers should benefit from like understanding when you talk and you encourage that hard work and effort, it's really impactful on the student. So I I love that you introduced that.
1: Well, and you know, something else that I think, it really says that if you're determined and willing to work hard, you can accomplish anything. And I really learned that for myself because if I'm totally honest with you, and you've heard this before, my high school math teacher said, LaDotta, maybe you should think about elementary math education because the courses won't be quite as hard because when you go into secondary, you get into linear algebra and ring theory and it's pretty serious math and, you know, I made it and I did it, but it took a lot of hard work. It took some tutors and, you know, I think determination and knowing that I wanted to be that high school math teacher that kids could understand. I wanted to be that person for my students. So I think because of that hard work, I was able to be that teacher for so many students because sometimes you need to break it down a little bit differently, but For me, I think the lesson I learned from that is, you know, perseverance and determination really have an impact on what you end up accomplishing.
0: Yeah, and I think, I mean, your trajectory, so like how driven you were to to overcome those odds and like to overcome what your teachers had said to you is huge. And I want to talk about, you tell this story often, what your first day in a high school classroom was like so you were a high school teacher and then how did you get to where you are today? Like that process that, I mean, that's huge for an educator to do.
1: Well, when I started teaching um, and I guess I'll back up and say, you know, I went to college during my senior year of high school, still really involved in all kinds of things in leadership roles in high school Um, But then I went during the summer, and then I went a couple of other summers so that I could graduate in three years. I'm not sure what my hurry was, but again, I guess I was determined to just make this happen. And so I got through in three years, and the day after college graduation, I had landed a substitute teacher job at Morgantown High School. And when I went into the school, you know, I was 20 years old and I had students that were 18 and 19, so in an algebra two class. And so it was really interesting, you know, the dynamics of um, being so young going into the classroom, but I loved it. It was a great experience. I wanted to stay at Morgantown High, but there wasn't an opening. Actually, they needed a coach, so I wasn't able to coach. So um, I went to a middle school for a year really met some great students, great friends that I still have today, some of the teachers, Um, and so that was a great experience, but then the next year, a job at Morgantown High opened up if I could be the cheerleading coach, and I had been a majorette in high school, so I really didn't know a whole lot about cheerleading, but I said I could do it, and I did, and it was a lot of fun, so I got back to Morgantown High, and my career at Morgantown High was about, I think I was there, 13 years, and I started, you know, teaching consumer math and some of the lower level math classes and worked my way up to teach, you know, pre calculus and I also took advantage of an opportunity to teach computer science, Uh, I started teaching basic so I'm really dating myself, but I started teaching basic and then we moved on to AP Pascal. And then I took some courses at West Virginia University to learn ADA programming language. And then we actually got some recognition from the Department of Defense and, you know, worked with some great professors, uh, John Atkins at WVU. and, And we were able to really do a good program for teachers or for students. And then... As I was doing that, I got more and more involved in technology, so I was at a training with IBM, and they asked me if I would be interested in being an educational instructional specialist, that they thought I would be a good person to do that, and they called them EISs, and it really was brilliant on the part of IBM, because I could go out and talk about what I was doing with their software and I was a perfect salesperson because I could say, this is what my students did. And we were doing all kinds of creative things in math and just in some computer classes at Morgantown High. And so it was really a great opportunity. And so I worked with my school district so that I could do that about 20 days a year. And so things really started to change. I became the technology coordinator for the school had a great team of teachers that I got to work with every day, kept teaching computer science and some math. And then I was out trying to raise money for technology for the school. And I went to a meeting and met the president of an, a nonprofit in West Virginia, uh, Larry Milov. And he said, I really want to build an education program. I remember the room was filled with lots of people and I got up to leave because my son was still a baby and I wanted to hurry up and get home before the kids went to bed. And he came and gave me his card and said, I really want to talk to you because I think you could help me build an education program. So fast forward, I worked uh, part time. I left Morgantown High after 13 years and it was a really hard decision because I loved students. I loved being there. I had so many friends and great colleagues But I felt like maybe I could make the classroom bigger. And if I could make the classroom bigger, then what I was able to do to help students at Morgantown High, I could do on a broader scale. So the first year that I left, I worked part time as an instructional technology coordinator for the county school system and as the director of education programs um, at the nonprofit. A year later, I realized, you know, I needed to choose one or the other. And by that point, we were really starting to establish some statewide programs. And so I left the school system, which was a huge leap of faith, and went to work for the high tech consortium um, as their vice president for education and workforce. So big switch, a lot of change, really had to step out of my comfort zone. But you know, I just stayed focused on wanting to make the classroom bigger and helping students across West Virginia instead of just working at one school. So that's kind yeah. of the summary of how all that happened.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I th- I want to talk a little bit about like certain things in there. Right. So in terms of entrepreneurial mindset, your path through this process is so has so many examples of that, right? So your ability to pivot and, and to to operate in, you know, areas of uncertainty and the the fearlessness of approaching new opportunities. Our last interview was with Gary Schoeniger of ELI Mindset, and I asked him to define entrepreneurship and he defines it simply as the pursuit of opportunity. And I know that we've talked about this so many times that a lot of your success in life has just been a fearlessness and pursuing those opportunities that have been presented to you. And we've done presentations together on like put presentations together on your story. And that's the underlying theme. When opportunities present themselves, you're fearless in your approach of them. And I think that's a really inherently entrepreneurial thing. And your trajectory in life at this point is pretty entrepreneurial, right? So you worked in the school system, but you made new things happen. You went into computer science, you grew it to the IBM instructional, and then you went into high-tech consortium as an entrepreneurial kind of to develop new educational programming. So you went from entrepreneurial, but now you are an edupreneur. So what was the gap from that jump from like, how did you leave an organization in which you could be entrepreneurial to feel like you were willing to take on an entrepreneurial risk and start your own company.
1: I was at the high tech consortium for six years and I had a phenomenal group of people and support and it really was a game changer in my life. And I, I really give credit to all the different people that were involved at the time because it was truly a team effort, but we were able to take some really creative ideas that, feel like I always had for education. Like I would, but back at that time, I wanted every teacher to have a laptop and I wanted teachers to have resources that they could easily get to, to integrate technology because, you know, this was the mid nineties and we were just starting to get into all that technology integration, but there weren't a lot of tools there. And so we were able to write Two US Department of Education Technology Innovation Challenge grants, and they were very competitive. And in 1996, we won a $4.2 million grant. And I will never forget that day. I remember the phone call coming in. I remember running down the hall to get the phone call, and it was just so exciting. And then two years later, we put a bigger idea together to give every teacher a laptop that wanted to participate in the program. And we wrote this program phase nine and it was a seven million dollar project and so (laughs) we were really able to expand the classroom during that time period because we were doing these technology opportunity centers to train community members on how to use technology it was also new and people weren't sure how to use it and then we were able to give teachers these tools and training and help them build resources Um, but you know sometimes when you're in organizations and things change and folk, the focus of an organization changes and sometimes you're not ready to make that change with the organization. Um, so after six years, I decided that um, with the support of a lot of great people and a lot of faith, I decided that I would break away and, you know, and, it, and it was a good break. It was what was best for everybody involved and um, started the Adventure Group. And so I took a huge leap of faith to really be an entrepreneur in 2001. And I'm so happy to say that was 2001, and this is 2019. And we are just about a couple days short of our 18th anniversary. We started the organization on June 1st, and um, it has truly uh, been a blessing to be able to serve students and teachers, not just in West Virginia, but beyond, and to work with so many smart, um, caring people on our team that want to make the world a better place. And and we know that education is key in making things better. So, um, you know, it, it was an entrepreneurial leap to say the least. I didn't think about it in that way at the time. Um, I just knew that I wanted to keep working in education, and that was where my passion was. That's where my my love was for trying to help people gain new skills and have better educations and provide them with resources. and And I knew that to be able to do that, I needed to take that leap of faith and start the Adventure Group.
0: And actually, when we publish this podcast, it will be we'll we'll have celebrated our anniversary already. So yay us! Yeah. So we're, I mean, we're really excited. We're really proud of that. And I think that it would be beneficial for our listeners, but if you could talk a little bit about the mission of adventure and kind of how we have remained um, functional for this long, because that's really rare in the nonprofit world, especially as we don't receive operational funding from any kind of source. So if you just quickly talk about adventure and what we do and then kind of how we've remained strong, especially in this Appalachian landscape.
1: I think the one thing that has been consistent with Adventure, the Adventure Group over the last 18 years and into the future is that, you know, we really want to provide better opportunities for people. And we do that through educational resources, and that could be through presentations or training or grants where we're able to provide resources or just knowledge that um, helps people think differently Um, Inspires a student to believe in themselves and complements the good work that's happening across the region and across the country in many cases to just help people advance what they're already doing. I think that's been our consistent theme, whether we were traveling across the country doing facilitated workshops for the Partnership for 21st Century Skills, or if we are doing an entrepreneurship workshop. In rural Kentucky, or if we are working with career tech students in southern West Virginia, um, or if we're working for that, you know, as a completely different example, with the West Virginia Department of Education training their up and coming leaders to be better leaders. I mean, we have done some really innovative programs to help others become better. And I think that's what makes us all tick. You know, those are the good days for me. When you feel like you've inspired someone, whether it's a staff member or a customer, if you've inspired somebody to believe in themselves and take the knowledge that we've shared and do better, it's been a good day because that's what it's all about for us. And I think that's why we've survived. I think that, you know, we've gone through very different programming. Um, You know, when we started, we were still working on those technology innovation grants and we were heavy, heavy into technology. We were helping teachers understand how to use technology. Teachers have figured that out and they're integrating technology into the classroom. So we had to pivot and think, what else do we need to be doing? Where do we see a need? The second big area of influence for us was culture you know, we would go out and work with schools and we realized it wasn't a technology application or a new textbook or a new policy. It was sometimes people aren't comfortable with change. And as we looked at our business counterparts, we realized they do facilitated sessions. They do workshops around change and they get people's buy-in and they give people a voice. And we realized that really wasn't happening in education. So we actually wrote a book Jill Fratto and I co-authored a book on Who Took My Chalk and we are working with Amber to hopefully have a Who Took My Chalk 2.0 that really helps talk about culture and explain why the culture of an organization is so important. I finished my doctorate degree and my dissertation focused on school culture and how to make the culture of an organization better to better serve clients and customers. And in education, that's our families, our students. So then from there, we've gotten into the entrepreneurship field and we've gotten into family engagement. I mean, we just continue to evolve because we haven't stayed fixed on this is what we're good at. We're willing to take chances. We're willing to take a risk and say we know things. We're willing to learn things so that we can stay very applicable to the current needs In the education system. So we are an evolving organization, our areas of expertise continue to expand and grow. And I think that good entrepreneurs know that you have to do that. Because if we were still just focused on technology, I'm not sure there would be a huge need for us to deliver services to a degree that we could continue to function as an organization.
0: Absolutely. I think the agility of the organization is huge and just our ability to, you know, meet those education trends as they come and remain on the cutting edge of that. So the nonprofit's one world that you work in and then because you can't stop, right? Like you just keep going. I want to quickly talk about Elevation and how you kind of, Recognize the opportunity in a for profit world, so in um, a woman owned small business. So, we want to quickly talk about Elevation and kind of that vessel and how you, you saw the opportunity there for that one. Elevation was actually
1: kind of a, a vision of the board of directors of the nonprofit that if these things are working so well in this realm of education. There are probably room for those things in the business world, and so started a, a woman-owned business. Um, it's a single-member LLC, and it focuses on training in the business world, and so you know it provides lots of opportunities to kind of take what we've learned at Adventure and be able to use it. In the business world. So, we work with a long list of different customers and we share our experiences and work that we've learned, things that we've learned over the years about leadership and culture in a totally different setting. But it certainly has been extremely rewarding. It's been um, a great way to expand our services. And, you know, it's just been a good experience to be able to see. Different topics and to learn about different topics and areas of expertise from different perspectives.
0: Yeah, and I think we talked about this a little earlier is that, you know, some topics transcend industry, right? So, like leadership and culture, and we were talking about how um, we just read a principles report about how they're adopting MBA principles of leadership because they're so intertwined. Like, leadership is leadership, and you don't need to operate in buckets when some themes transcend industry. And so that ability to recognize that opportunity, again, is something that I think is really important for our listeners to know that you might be an expertise and you think it's only in one industry, but a lot of industries can benefit from your expertise in education. Because education, I feel strongly transcends all industries. Um, Because at its core, you need to be educated. So, yeah, I, wa- I I wanted to talk about Elevation from that perspective that, you know, a lot of things come from education and can be translated to different industries, and I think Elevation is a perfect example of that. So, we've talked a lot about your story, and so I want to talk about maybe about some lessons that you've learned through your experiences that our listeners who are primarily educators can really benefit from. And so I was hoping maybe you could talk quickly about, you know, how would educators benefit from infusing entrepreneurship in their own classrooms as they teach their different subjects, because I think you're a great example of that with your computer science and how you've adapted. So
1: I think, you know, from an education perspective and what I even see working with staff and, you know, clients that we have is that, you know, entrepreneurship is really about having an idea or being drawn to something and then doing what it takes to make something happen. And I think that our children, I think our employees, I think our organizations can all benefit by instilling that grit and determination and perseverance into each and every person that we work with. I think sometimes the world tells us we can't and perhaps children are growing up in families that haven't experienced it. And so they don't promote that way of thinking with their children because they just don't know. I mean, and and that's hard to do. But I think as educators, as parents, as employers, if we can all just instill that determination and grit and perseverance in people, I think that we're going to see that students come out stronger more entrepreneurs will blossom and I think that we will help our economy and in our world just to be better because people have that skill set.
0: Absolutely. And I think whenever somebody asks me like why adventure, I went to school for marketing. I started as an intern in social media for the company to help with some storytelling. And now I've been there five years and work on all these really cool programs. And I think the main reason that I cite whenever somebody asks me like why adventure is because You've given me as the leadership of this company, the freedom to come up with these ideas. And there's so much opportunity to to be creative and to be innovative and like have that structure that supports that. And that's something that can easily be translated into a a K-12 classroom or even higher ed classroom. Whatever subject area you're teaching, you can provide structured opportunities for students to apply that to what they're interested in. And I think that that's really the the way that infusing entrepreneurship works in any classroom is take that subject area and and have those students apply it. It's the real world application of those. So I you mentioned this briefly. We we received a really cool family engagement grant, and that has been something that as we've remained agile over the years, there's been like a growing trend in terms of engaging families. What other trends do you see happening in education that exists twenty years ago, and and how can we Continue to remain agile and have an entrepreneurial mindset as we face these trends.
1: I think really looking at our learning environments and determining what speaks to children and what engages them in what they're doing is something that we really have to focus on. You know, the world has changed so much, as we all know, and we know that education has changed too, but I think the challenge is for education to move forward quickly enough that we keep students engaged because an engaged student will typically be less of a problem, more enjoyable to work with every day. And I think that the way that we all receive information and knowledge, things have just changed so much that I think our learning environments have to continuously be updated and adjusted so that we do embrace kids in the learning process. I think that, you know, culture will continue to be a topic that um, is important. And I think, you know, with the struggles in West Virginia and in many other places with the opioid crisis, I think things like our family engagement program will be extremely important because families need help. Families look different. And there are challenges that many of us can't really understand, but we know they're there. And I think, again, that's what this organization is about. You know, there's a need. And if we can help educate people and provide them with knowledge and resources that make it easier or better for them, then it's been a good day at the Adventure because Absolutely. that's what we want to do. We want to be that resource that is a friendly face, a nice smile, knowledgeable person that comes in and can talk to people at whatever level or whatever challenge they're in and be able to bring some sort of hope and resources to help them. And I think that's what makes us all tick and what makes us feel good, you know, at the end of the day. And and that's not what it's about, but that's the result of what I think we're doing to help other people.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just the, the empathy that we try to integrate into every single one of our programs and, you know, making sure that it's customized to meet the needs of the people. I often talk about the the falling in love with people's problems, not your own ideas, because that's where true innovation and entrepreneurship lies, is like solving problems for other people. And I think that Adventure has done a very exemplary job of, of kind of solving people's problems in a way that is really impactful and sustainable.
1: Yeah, I so. don't feel like any of our projects have ever been, this is a great idea and we are going <laughs> go fund this we really try to focus on talking to people understanding what the needs are and then coming back and saying what could we do to help them what could we figure out because that's I think what makes us tick
0: oh yeah you couldn't go into a single school building and be like I have a great idea I mean it would take a lot of selling (laughs) but if you could if you go into a school building and say like where are your problem areas how can we help you that's much more compelling. And so um, from a nonprofit lens, like that is the mission of our company is to solve problems in education uh, in a way that's meaningful to the people that we're working with.
1: And it's interesting that you say that because one of your comments, you know, I know we've worked with consultants as we've tried to grow and make sure that we're on track. And, you know, when you think of entrepreneurship, you also often think of it's about selling your product. And I feel like, we haven't really had to sell our product because we've really focused more on what are the needs? How can we be creative and innovative to try to come up with an idea? Does it work every time? Absolutely not. (laughs) Always find the funding. Sometimes we have to try, try again, try again before we're able to come up with something to help others. But I just feel like that's at the heart of what we do. And um, we haven't really had to work too hard in the sales department because we've been able to work with people and that in turn has really created, um, opportunities for us.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think that's a really, you brought up a really good point, right? Is like this whole conversation we've been talking about your trajectory and like we've talked about a lot of successes, but I really want to highlight for our listeners that there has been a lot of failing forward involved in that. And we are a grant based organization and I would say we have more no's than yeses. It's just that our yeses have been for those really meaningful projects that we are super passionate about and that passion shows. And so I want to make sure that people are understanding like the failing forward is something that it's taught um, I remember my first loss. I'm sure you were like, okay, I don't know if this girl can handle it, but I think I'm getting better. But that's, I mean, it's a big mindset shift when you're, you, especially if you're in an organization. Like you said, schools are pretty not safe, but they are, though. They have a good structured system and they have um, some reliability. And then you go to a nonprofit world and, that risk is scary. And so that idea of failing forward and not letting obstacles like knock you out of the path is really important. And I wanted to make sure that our listeners know that like, it hasn't been all easy. It's been really hard.
1: (laughs) There have been scary times where we didn't think we would make it. For a long time, when we started the organization, I'd be talking to someone and I would be talking about the future and say, well, if we make it, and then I realized I needed to stop saying that because that was kind of showing our customers that I had doubt in my mind. And I was always um, conscious of the fact that we might not be able to find the resources to continue to do the kind of work that we did, but, you know, we've made it and it's been 18 years and we are most hopeful that we will continue to find good projects um, that are solutions to issues that people face and be able to use education as the tool to help people do better and, you know, again, back to that perseverance and grit and determination, you know, you have to be a little hard headed, I think, to (laughs) stay with it. If you don't get this grant, go for another one, stay true to your ideas and, you know, don't give up. And I think that's a good mindset. You know, we do sessions on growth mindset and I think we certainly have had a growth mindset before it was even really identified as a growth mindset, you know, and I think there are a lot of things that we just haven't done yet. That we're anxious to to start working on
0: yet that keyword there. So okay, I think that probably honestly is lends itself a lot to the the final question that I have for you, and that is if you were a listener today, an educator today, what parting advice would you give to them? Whether that be interest, they be interested in entrepreneurship themselves or for their students, what parting advice would you have for them?
1: I think my advice would be. Something that I hope I use in my practice every day with you and with staff is that, you know, do your best to inspire a student or someone every day. Because I think the more we feel inspired and the more we are encouraged to have that perseverance and determination, the better things we're going to be able to do with our life. And so I know it's not an easy environment to be in the classroom. I know there are challenges every day and I know how hard you work. And I just would say, continue to be that person that inspires every child because you might be the only person that does. And that is an extremely powerful ability and a powerful tool that you can use that can really change someone's life.
0: Oh, I love that. hope everyone else loves that because I love that. <laughs> okay. Um you know, thank you so much. I mean this has been super I get to talk to you every day and honestly like it's awesome that I get to talk to somebody who's so, you know, inspiring and supportive of my personal growth and our staff's personal growth and just in everyone that we touch you really want them to grow as individuals. And I see, I think that that really shows in your story here today. So how can whoever listens to us also contact you if they want to hear more about your story, maybe like our website or how can they get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, feel free to, and please do visit our website. You know, Amber has done our website and does a great job. And that's just theedventuregroup.org. My email is Taylor at edvgroup.org. And I'd love to hear from you. Be happy to answer questions. I mean, I'm, I'm always thrilled to have the opportunity to talk to people and be able to share the story or answer questions or see if there might be a question I could ask you that could help you move forward. So please don't hesitate to, to be in touch. I, I would really welcome the opportunity to talk with you.
0: Oh perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us and I'm super excited to to make this one go live and yay us for celebrating our anniversary after this is published. So, thank you so much. Thank you.